Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I'm Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Our Old Testament reading comes to us from Isaiah chapter 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me, Listen, so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader to the commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I was thinking before Larry came up what a a wonderful thing it is that we're a church that has a hard time stopping passing the peace. (laughs) I've been to some churches where if you get someone to turn around in their pew and shake your hand, you're pretty successful. We do a good job of that here, so very nice. Well, our gospel lesson is from the Gospel of Luke, where we have been in the last few weeks, uh, and this is just part of a, a many chapters in a row of Jesus teaching, preaching, healing. He's walking around from village to village, having encounters with uh, various people, um, Pharisees, scribes, regular folks, uh, and this is just uh, yet another one of those stories in that line of uh, Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, And this time there's a a special crowd that, as you'll see in the first line, a group of people that come up uh, to tell Jesus something. And so hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of Luke's gospel. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. 
a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? And he replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Uh, In Judaism, there's a, a tradition or a Saying, I'm not quite sure what category uh, this falls in, but uh, uh, a suggestion, an idea that one ought to carry around two slips of paper, one in the left pocket, one in the right pocket, uh, which I realize uh, recently, having in the last year or two been informed that many women's pants do not have pockets. That's a rather male-centric idea, but if you're a woman without pockets, think of this however you... You need to think about it. But uh, you have two slips of paper. And on one slip of paper, write down, I am made of dust and ashes. And put that in your pocket. And on the other one, write, for me, the world was created. And put that in your other pocket. And they are now both part of you. And the first is this message of humility, a reminder of our origin to keep us rooted and grounded, to remind us that we are created. God made us. We did not make ourselves. God has made us. We are made from the substance of the earth. Even if we are rich or famous or nobility, we're all made from the same stuff. We are all made of dust and ashes. And the other one is this message of hope, of God's love, of of, uh, a reminder that we are blessed and that we are not forgotten, that we are not left alone, that we are valued, that even in the pain and anxiety of life, even in the dust and the ashes of life, this reminder, for me the world was made. It's a reminder that the world was created for us to enjoy and to live in, and to live in as as fully as possible. God wants us to enjoy the creation God put us in. And also to remember by having them at the same time, to remember that we don't, it's not an either or, we don't live in one or the other. We live at both stages at the same time or you think of we either live at both extremes at the same time or we live in the middle uh, somewhere, whatever image works best for you. But we're not just dust and ashes. Life is not just dust and ashes. But life was also not just a world that was created solely for me. There are other duties in life. We live in that tension. We are dust and ashes, but the world was created for us. And as a Christian practice, especially since we're in Lent, we could, instead of those two phrases, we can Christianize it, uh, we would still keep 
keep the I am made from dust and ash because that's Ash Wednesday. That's the beginning of Lent. Our other slip of paper could have the ending of Lent. For me, Christ died. Also a very powerful message. I am made of dust and am therefore no more special than anyone else. For we are all made of dust. And yet I am special enough that God died for me. That Jesus died for me. I am dust, but God does not leave me there. God does not leave you there in the dust. For uh, one could also rewrite the second slip of paper we would have, I am made from dust and ashes, and do the other one, not the end of Lent, but the beginning of Easter. And for me, Christ rose from the grave. It's a resurrection message. And I think maybe a focus more on Easter resurrection and new life and eternal life is probably healthier than fixating uh, ourselves on the cross on Jesus' death on the cross. I think it's a powerful message to have one slip be Ash Wednesday and the other one be Easter. If we think of all of Jesus' ministry, as years that he was around preaching and teaching and doing all the things that he did, uh, and the whole span of his ministry, he only spent a couple hours on the cross and a couple hours in the tomb. He spent years preaching and teaching in healing and showing us how to live. Showing us how to live and and showing us that we can live in the fullness of God's love and that we live in God's grace. And not just showing and teaching how to live, but showing and teaching us that we ought to live, that we should feel free to live, and that we have a right to it, that God wants us to live as fully as possible in all of the greatness of creation, to enjoy all that it has to offer, and to never, you know, feel like we need to be miserable to make God happy. It's okay to be joyful and to be happy and to celebrate life and to live life as much as we can. All those years that Jesus spent teaching us and showing us that God God is not one who is waiting for us to mess up so that he can strike us down. And I found that in, in those that seem to think that way, that God's just waiting for a chance to strike us down. God's always a he. You don't get a lot of feminine imagery uh, in those traditions. I think, rather, that God is waiting for us to live and wants us to live and is ready to pick us up when we mess up, ready to lift us up out of the dust and ashes when we make mistakes and to dust us off and to send us on our way, especially if the mistake that we've made has been made because we've taken a risk of faith, because we've dared to love too much or dared to be too kind, too generous, too open, too inclusive. God wants us to make, to take those risks of faith and is there to lift us up and build us up when we do so. And so we have the parable that Jesus offers to us today. 
And Jesus, as I, as I mentioned, he's been walking around from village to village and having these theological uh, discussions with people and conversations and I've been talking about judgment a, a little bit along with many other uh, other things um, and then these people come up to Jesus that we saw in the beginning of this lesson some from the crowd uh, came forward and told Jesus about the Galileans we don't have any other reference to Pilate um, killing these particular Galileans uh, anywhere else in Scripture or outside of Scripture. But we know that Pilate was a violent person, so it would not be surprising. He's probably done this uh, numerous times, just kind of randomly killed people or maybe they had done something that Pilate thought they ought to die for. But they come up to tell Jesus about them. And Jesus... Uh, They've clearly said to Jesus, at least I think clearly said to Jesus, that there must be something that these Galileans had done that God punished them, that Pilate's actions were God's punishment. And there was, at the time, a lot of this kind of thinking that if something bad happened to you, it was because of some sin that you did before. God was punishing you for some sin that you did, or maybe even for some sin that your parents did or your grandparents did. That there could be this visitation of punishment even for uh, other generations, errors. And Jesus throws all of that upside down. He, he says no, no to that idea of, of thinking. Thoughts of God punishing us or thoughts of God punishing them in this world for our sins or for their sins does not have a place in Christian theology. It's not a a healthy way to look at things. And he says to the people, were the people killed by Pilate more sinful? No. They weren't more sinful. They died because Pilate is violent. God had nothing to do with it. This was not God's punishment. They didn't didn't bring that on themselves because of their sin. Then he talks about people in uh, this Tower of Siloam that fell down, another one that we don't have any reference to outside of the Gospel of Luke, but clearly a tower fell in Jerusalem and killed a number of people. And Jesus says, were the people killed by the falling tower more sinful? No. They died because a tower fell. God didn't have anything to do with it. It wasn't God's punishment. But then he adds this cautionary note at the end of each of those. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Unless you go a different way, you will perish. And I'm not sure that that's as much of a a warning to the people that they're going to die horribly at God's hands, that God's going to punish them by letting them be killed by Pilate or have another building fall on them or something. I don't think Jesus is saying that so much as maybe chastising them for looking only at the sins of other people and wanting to bring judgment on them. Well, they deserved what they got. I think Jesus is saying you need to look to yourself. Don't worry about the sins of others. God will worry about that worry about your own state 
Worry about what you're doing. Do some self-reflection. Do some cleaning of your own house. I think if they were doing the, the two pieces of paper thing, this might be the point where Jesus would say, you know what, you need to give me your slip of paper that says the world was made for you because you're spending too much time thinking about that part. You're not spending enough time in dust and ashes. And maybe you need to spend some time there. And when you're ready, I'll give you the other slip of paper back. And this is a theology that we still, this theology of, of punishment, this idea that God punishes people is still around. And it drives me bonkers sometimes. You know, we see this after disasters uh, or, or uh, calamities. You know, it's bad enough when, when I hear people saying, I'm going to heaven and you're not. My faith is the right one. Yours isn't, so you're doomed. I, that's a bad enough uh, way to approach people. But then when they start pulling out things like saying, this hurricane was God's judgment. You know, this hurricane that destroyed your area of the country. That was God's punishment for your sins. Or that gunman that was in your town, that was God's punishment for your sins. Or if they say you're sick because you're not faithful enough. Or replace sick with poor or homeless or jobless, lonely, hungry, whatever. Jesus speaks... I think he speaks very clearly against that kind of thinking when he says, no, no. And I'm surprised that it's still so popular amongst Jesus' followers. And we need to offer a counter witness to that. And Jesus offers some counter narrative by the parable that he follows us up with. He says, not only were none of those people killed because they somehow merited it, Listen to this parable. And Jesus doesn't introduce this by saying, the kingdom of God is like this, which a number of his parables he does start that with, say this is a kingdom parable. But I think this is a kingdom parable. It could very well have started with, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He says, there was a fig tree that didn't bear fruit. And the owner was going to cut it down, but the gardener said, don't, don't. Don't be in such a hurry. Let me work on it another year. Let me dig around it. Let me put some fertilizer on it. Let me tend it. Let me love it. Let me do what I can do to see if we can get it to bear fruit. And then let's look at it next year. Give it another year. Patient grace. God's patience here. To work on us as much as we need. And I imagine Lent as being kind of this yearly chance to look at whether we are bearing fruit or how much fruit we have borne in the last year. And I think that's why our lectionary writers put this text in Lent. I think Lent is kind of our, our time. This is our annual checkup, our self-evaluation and evaluation by our creator and by our savior to see how well are we doing to look within and go, how, how well did I do in the last year? And then because none of us are perfect and because God is patient, 
and merciful, even those of us who are not bearing fruit, even if we've not bared fruit for many years, are not cut down. The gardener says, one more year. One more year. And so we get another Easter and another Pentecost, another Advent and Christmas, and then another Lent. And compare what Jesus says in this parable about not cutting it down. Give it a year. Compare that to John the Baptist earlier in Luke, back in chapter 3, when he gives this stern warning that the axe is ready to go. It's ready to go to cut down every tree that does not bear good fruit, and not just to cut it down, but to throw it into the fire. Complete and utter destruction from John the Baptist. And Jesus modifies this. He says, yeah, it's sort of like that, but the axe isn't so ready. The axe isn't so eager to cut down the tree. One more year. Let me feed it. Let me tend it. Let me love it. I will give the tree the living water. I will give the tree the bread of life and the cup of salvation. I will keep feeding until he gives up the false bread that doesn't satisfy. I will keep watering until she gives up the waters that only make her thirstier. The false waters. I will set the table before them. The bread and the cup here. I will set the table before them for another year, for they are made of dust and ashes. But for them I died, and for them I rose from the tomb. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.